You're listening to the Keep Going Podcast, where we keep going after the heart of God because He's our only hope. I'm Nika Maples. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Keep Going Podcast. We're in a series called A Walk Through the Proverbs. Just a note, today I'm using the message version because it fits well with the reading. And I don't approach these podcasts as a scholar, but as a lover of the Word who wants to share simple spiritual observations from my own daily Bible reading. Let's review the last episode in two points. Number one. Proverbs 7 warns us that sexual temptation is like a brazen woman who runs out to meet us in front of her house, so we should even avoid walking near her street. Number two, we discussed that there are ways we can guard against sexual temptation, but it will take, at times, drastic measures. The positive consequences will be well worth the effort, however. The last four years of my personal and professional life have been most unusual. The memories contained in these compact and intense experiences will stand like a monument for the rest of my days, and on it are inscribed the words, here is where she completely changed direction. All of the details of the change will go into a book I plan to write one day, I hope, and the fruit of the change is in my next book, Everyday Genesis, that launches in December. For now, I can tell you that in the first year, God told me to leave my home church of 29 years and go to the church he would show me. That took some courage. The second year, God told me to quit my job of 10 years and write a book which is published now, by the way, it's called Hunting Hope, but that took some courage too. The third year, he told me to sell my house and everything in it, which I did. I kept about a fourth of my clothes, a few pairs of shoes that I thought could match most things, and a few irreplaceable items like yearbooks, photos, journals, and a handful of favorite books or gifts I'd been given. I went from a three-bedroom house to a five-by-five storage unit. I packed my car with necessities and then went to sleep on August 14th, 2015, thinking that in the morning at about 4 a.m., I was leaving to move to the border of Mexico to finally cement learning Spanish, which has been a lifelong attempted goal for me, with minimal results, I must add. I had been accepted into a language academy there, and so I had a plan to go with all of the instructions that God had given me except he hadn't exactly instructed me to move to Mexico. I was grasping at some things that I wanted to mean he was asking me to move close to Mexico. I wanted some closure to the series of extreme obedience that I had been walking through. I wanted to be able to say, oh, this is why he asked me to do all of that. I woke up before that morning And getting ready to head out of town, I happened to glance at my emails. One of them was from the academy, saying that the dean had retracted my acceptance at the last minute because I was not being equipped to be a missionary in a Latin country, which was the essential mission of the academy. Please do not come, it said. There will not be a home here for you, as we originally stated. 
I almost dropped my hot tea. What was I going to do? Where was I going to go? What was all of this for? When I prayed for days, all I heard was silence. The days turned into weeks, months. That entire fall, I think I went to church about five times. I just couldn't stand it go. I didn't want to be there. I felt sick all the time. The core of the feeling was that God had not done what I thought he was going to do. I had obeyed him, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I had been building up an expectation, a system of exchange in my heart, which is unhealthy in every relationship we have, including the one that we share with Jesus. You know how it goes. It's keeping a record. The whole, I'll do this for you, and then you'll do this for me, and then we'll both be happy. The reason this does not work in relationships is because real love is authentic sacrifice, expecting no return. Expecting a return is a system of exchange, which is not love, it's business. I want to share with you a very tender and personal story about the difference between sacrifice and exchange, the difference between love and business. In just a moment, I will. But first, let's read this section of scripture. Proverbs 8. Do you hear Lady Wisdom calling? Can you hear Madam Insight raising her voice? She's taken her stand at first in Maine at the busiest intersection. Right in the city square where the traffic is thickest, she shouts, You! I'm talking to all of you! Everyone out here on the streets! Listen, you idiots, learn good sense, you blockheads, shape up. Don't miss a word of this. I'm telling you how to live well. I'm telling you how to live at your best. My mouth chews and savors and relishes truth. I can't stand the taste of evil. You'll only hear true and right words from my mouth. Not one syllable will be twisted or skewed. You'll recognize this as true, you with open minds. Truth-ready minds will see it at once. Prefer my life disciplines over chasing after money and God knowledge over a lucrative career. For wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. Nothing you could wish for holds a candle to her. Pause. Oh, I love this. Let me read it again. You'll recognize this is true, you with open minds. Truth-ready minds will see it at once. Prefer my life disciplines over chasing after money and God knowledge over a lucrative career. For wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. Nothing you could wish for holds a candle to her. Okay, it is time for that heart-deep story I told you I would share. People tend to idealize the life of a writer. I know I did before I was writing full-time. The truth is you really have to love teaching through writing in order to be a writer because sometimes the love of it is all you have. The idea of an explosive reward for your work is a fantasy. Sometimes people won't even like what you've written. Sometimes you won't get paid for what you've written. By the same token, you really have to love obeying God in order to live a healthy life as a Christian because sometimes, well, the idea of an explosive reward for obedience can be a fantasy too. The reward is coming and the reward is real. It's just that the sudden and enormous nature of it 
may be a little exaggerated in our minds, especially if we're thinking that we will be rewarded in a specific way, such as if we give up money, surely God will give us more money. At one point after my obedience, I had 43 cents in my bank account. 43 cents. I didn't even know they would let you keep a bank account when there was only 43 cents in it. That night, I felt cheated. I had nothing. I lay prostrate on the floor and cried. I was hollering out to God to rescue me. I was yelling, I thought you said the children of God would not be begging for bread, but here I am. I'm begging you. What is going on? Didn't I do what you said? This can't be the best you have planned for me. You are my provider. Surely you have more for me than 43 cents. And suddenly I heard a voice in my heart say, Is that the way you're going to talk to your husband? I sat up straight, tears stinging my cheeks. He said it in my heart again. Is it? Is that the way you're going to talk to your husband? I answered softly, No. And then Jesus said, Okay then, I'll be over here when you're ready and want to talk to me. I felt him somehow indicate a chair behind me. I couldn't believe that in all of my fear and worry, I had stooped to such disrespect. My heart had felt vulnerable, and so I had begun closing it off to God. Accusation and disrespect toward anyone, even toward God, closes your heart to them. Closing your heart is self-defense. It feels somehow like you're making yourself safer. But self-defense is the beginning of bitterness, and bitterness is lethal to everyone it touches. I didn't want to close off my heart to God. I wanted to remain soft and vulnerable and open. So I said, I do want to talk to you. Please, just a minute, Lord. I spent a little while making dinner, and then I set the table for two. I invited Jesus to come sit with me for dinner now. I didn't put food on his plate. I'm creative. I'm not crazy. But my prayer life needed a serious reboot. And setting a respectful place for Jesus was the best way I knew how to do it. And then we talked over dinner. Sitting beside him, looking him in the eye, serving him dinner the way I would my husband completely changed my perspective. And this was the way I started the simple and tender prayer conversation. Here we are, Jesus. (laughs) It's you and me and our 43 cents. And I couldn't be happier. I get to be with you every day, hearing your voice, resting in your love and protection. And that's not only all I need, it's all I want. It doesn't matter if we have a little or a lot. I'd follow you anywhere, forever. I grew closer to God that day because I disciplined myself to respect him. Fear of the Lord means respect for the Lord, and it is the beginning of wisdom. So let me read that last section from Proverbs 8 again. You'll recognize this as true, you with open minds. Truth-ready minds will see it at once. Prefer my life disciplines over chasing after money and God knowledge over a lucrative career. For wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. Nothing you could wish for holds a candle to her. So let me ask you, how was I rewarded for obedience? Not with a lucrative career as I had hoped, but with wisdom, which is worth far, 
far more. I am Lady Wisdom, and I live next to sanity. Knowledge and discretion live just down the street. The fear of God means hating evil, whose ways I hate with a passion. Pride and arrogance and crooked talk. Good counsel and common sense are my characteristics. I am both insight and virtue to live it out. With my help, leaders rule and lawmakers legislate fairly. With my help, governors govern, along with all in a legitimate authority. I love those who love me. Those who look for me find me. Wealth and glory accompany me, also substantial honor and a good name. But my benefits are worth more than a big salary, even a very big salary. The returns on me exceed any imaginable bonus. You can find me on Righteous Road. That's where I walk, at the intersection of Justice Avenue, handing out life to those who love me, filling their arms with life, armloads of life. God sovereignly made me the first, the basic before he did anything else. I was brought into being a long time ago, well before Earth got its start. Wisdom arrived on the scene before ocean, yes, even before springs and rivers and lakes, before mountains were sculpted and hills took shape. I was already there, newborn, long before God stretched out Earth's horizons and tended to the minute details of soil and weather and set sky firmly in place. I was there when he mapped and gave borders to wild ocean built the vast vault of heaven and installed the fountains that fed ocean. When he drew a boundary for sea, posted a sign that said no trespassing, and then staked out Earth's foundations. I was right there with him, making sure everything fit. Day after day I was there with my joyful applause, always enjoying his company, delighted with the world of things and creatures, happily celebrating the human family. So, my dear friends, listen carefully. Those who embrace these, my ways, are most blessed. Mark a life of discipline and live wisely. Don't squander your precious life. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who listens to me, awake and ready for me each morning, alert and responsive as I start my day's work. When you find me, you find life, real life, to say nothing of God's good pleasure. But if you wrong me, you damage your very soul. When you reject me, you're floating with death. Oh, how we confuse things sometimes. We expect a return for our efforts, creating systems of exchange where there could have been the beauty of authentic sacrifice. We manipulate a business deal where we could have experienced the joy and freedom of real love. The irony is that there really is a system of exchange already in place. If we submit the first time, Jesus takes our miserable deaths and gives us grace to live in heaven. That's eternal life. Then we submit all the rest of the times. He takes our miserable lives and gives us grace to live on earth. That's abundant life. In the first submission, we get eternal life. In the second and all the other submissions, we get abundant life. That's what John 1.16 calls grace upon grace and teach me wisdom in the secret today's music is from psalm 51 by shane and shane and is used with permission please consider signing up for my monthly email list i send only one encouragement per month but i pray for each of you by name on the day i do just go to nikamaples.com and click on email sign up and now 
I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. We'll talk soon. Until then, keep going.